0: Welcome to the Peaceworks Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Moles. I'm a pastor and biblical counselor who helps churches and families confront the evil of domestic violence and promote healthy, God honoring relationships. Welcome back to the Peaceworks Podcast, everyone. On today's episode, we're going to talk about sexual coercion and marriage. But before we jump into that difficult topic, I want to take a moment to remind you of PeaceWorks University. PeaceWorks University is our online membership community, and if you are benefiting from the content that you're hearing on the PeaceWorks podcast, then PeaceWorks University is your best next step. We have a robust community of people helpers, all engaged in learning gospel-centered ways to respond to the sin of domestic abuse. PeaceWorks University is an online membership community that has tons of resources like toolbox items to help you in your counseling and care master classes with experts in the field, success paths to understand the concepts better and monthly Q and a's within our membership. Uh, so please consider PeaceWorks University. We'd love to have you be part of that community and you can learn more about PeaceWorksU at chrismoles.org. So today we have some questions about sexual coercion, the uh, wording itself, the, the, ask, the way in which the question is worded is really helpful, I think, uh, as you look at the, the content that we're going to be covering, because uh, sexual coercion, sexual assault, and rape are very, very difficult topics. Obviously, the church has been struggling in many ways of understanding the concepts and their responsibility uh, within the culture. Uh, to ideas of um, sexual assault, rape, and sexual coercion. And so let me say from the outset that we're going to be discussing uh, sexual coercion within marriage today. Certainly, this won't be an exhaustive conversation, as we only have about 20 minutes here on the podcast to answer questions. And so we're only going to deal with a few aspects and a few concerns regarding this topic and certainly within the context of marriage. And I bring that up because much of the church's failure uh, in recent years, the the more demonstrative or uh, glaring failures have occurred in the ways in which they have hid or failed to report sexual activity involving a minor. And so please understand that if you are a biblical counselor, people helper, minister, pastor, pastor, Uh, In most settings, uh, you are going to be what's called a mandated reporter when you receive a disclosure of sexual assault or rape and understand the concepts of consent and coercion uh, do not, I should say, apply in specific ways to minors as minors do not give consent, neither do uh, the disabled in that regard as far as certain aspects of the disabled community. So it's important that you understand your mandated reporting laws and your laws within your state, and then also just how to be a good citizen. Uh, For far too long, the church has failed victims of sexual assault by not reporting, uh, in particular, uh, those in positions of power, such as pastors or youth pastors or prominent leaders within the church. That's not the topic that we'll be discussing specifically today but I think it's important to remember at the outset and to mention at the outset of this podcast the importance of reporting well and reporting correctly uh, to the correct authorities regarding um, disclosures of sexual assault or unwanted sexual activity. So the question that comes to us today is actually in bullet points, I'll do my best to answer them in order, although there's obviously going to be some overlap. And as I said at the outset there's no way we're going to be exhaustive with the topic, but the questioner um, we're going to assume is discussing this in the context of marriage. And so we're going to be talking about husbands and wives and in our you know world here at PeaceWorks, that's usually going to mean uh, husbands and wives who claim to be believers, Christians. And so the question begins with what is sexual coercion? It's actually in three bullet points. And so the questioners first question is about a definition. Now I don't know that there's a, Widely agreed upon definition as far as um, the, the the structure and the sentences that are used, but the the two words will give you a hint, right? Understanding certainly coercion using the act the act of force, threat, um, power to control those aspects of coercion, and then that applying to sexual activity. So this is really going to be about uh, sexual contact. Occurring or attempts at sexual contact with someone against his or her will. And so sexual coercion is about the use of pressure, force, sometimes substances to have sexual contact, maintain sexual contact or engage in sexual contact with someone against his or her will. Persistence after a refusal could be one key sign of sexual coercion. But really the themes here For anyone who is, you know, okay, what are we talking about? The themes here are we're talking about one individual who is desiring or wanting to engage in sexual activity. Their partner does not want to engage in that sexual activity. And rather than respecting their partner's wishes, they use pressure, force, uh, substances in some cases, persistence, um, and other tactics consistent with coercion that we'll talk about here in a moment um, after a refusal, after a uh, no, I, I do not want to engage in that behavior. This really runs a stark contrast Contrast, excuse me, to consent, which is something we'll talk about maybe in a moment, and understand that consent can be given and can be taken back at any point in a sexual encounter even among married, married couples. Coercion really is this use of force and threat, um, force, threat, fear, et cetera. And so that's kind of the rubric that we're looking through uh, when talking about coercion. So the questioner goes on in their second bullet point to elaborate a little bit more. So what is sexual coercion? Well, it's the um, unwanted sexual contact or sexual advances and someone continues to pursue; they persist using pressure, force, substances, or other coercive tactics, forms of manipulation and threats, etc. So, how can sexual occur, coercion occur covertly or overtly? So, this is a tricky one because I think most uh, sexual coercion is overt. I, I do, I do understand. I think what the questioner is asking: that are there more subtle means? of sexual coercion, I certainly think that's possible. I wanna throw out a warning here because I do know that it is possible for couples not to have healthy communication, not to be um, as comfortable talking about sex in their marriage, and uh, you may have a high desire partner and a low desire partner, and they have yet to find healthy or beneficial ways to communicate their desires, and instead of openly talking about it, negotiating the low desire and high desire, um, they they can fall into harmful patterns, patterns of neglect maybe on the low des- from the low desire partner, or patterns of manipulation, or um, forms of persistence from the high desire partner, and it still not fall into coercion. And I just want to throw that out there. Um, so I, I'm a little bit leery of the idea of of covert because I think if it can be addressed through negotiation, through compromise, through good communication, then you're probably not dealing with coercion, right? If it can be, you know, not tonight, honey, but maybe tomorrow, um, or it can be discussed, you know, openly with like, well, this is this is what my expectations were coming into the marriage. Oh, this was my expectations. And we see that they're vastly different. How do we negotiate? How do we compromise? How do we care for one another in a way that isn't coercive or threatening and at the same time isn't neglectful, you know, or um, without communication? And I think those are healthy things that couples can do. And so, you know, before I would go down the the route of saying, okay, yeah, you are – being covertly coerced, I may say, um, you know, are there other aspects of coercion in your relationship? Is this occurring in other aspects of your relationship together? Or I might press into the high desire, low desire. Now, unfortunately, there have been some biblical counselors, pastors, and leaders who only go that route, who see every form of sexual concerns as a marriage problem to be negotiated as opposed to digging down and looking at, um, what we talked about in the first bullet point, which what, what is coercive and not realizing that there are these very overt threats and pressure and even physical force, um, that are occurring, that that are are outside of a person's agency or autonomy. And another person has being, um, you know, manipulated against their will. They're being coerced against their will. And so that would be kind of my, my first response to that. But, but however, you know, the question is, you know, how can it occur covertly or overtly? I think the idea of this, uh, you know, what we are seeing, it can occur in a multiplicity of ways. Just to just some off the top of our head here, our threats would be one. Are you being threatened? Um, and, and those threats could be on, on a, um, a spectrum right from a, a very graphic threat of, I will kill you or I will harm you or I, or it could be more towards neglect. I will, you know, I'll deny you something. I'll take away the money. I won't pay for, you know, our son's braces or whatever. So, and then those things do happen as dastardly as that sounds, um, or those threats could be um, more more related to the sexual activity. Well, if you don't meet these needs, I'll have I'll find someone else to. As if um, sexuality is only an itch to be scratched, and people are victims of their own sexual desires rather than having self control. And those are quite frequently heard in the conversations that we have with individuals. So threats and ultimatums can be part of those coercive tactics, as can undo unwanted and unnecessary pressure. Um, Badgering could be part of that. Manipulation, uh, gaslighting, those type of terms that are, I'm going to um, hold something over your head, or I'm going to pout until I get what I want. And there's no communication. There's no discussion. There's only uh, the only escape, seemingly escape, is to give in to the sexual advances advances of my partner. Uh, Guilt tripping can be part of that. Of course, belittling, ridiculing, name-calling, so many of the common tactics of coercion, threat, and fear can be brought into sexual activity. And then with that, it, it's also important to remember that for many of us as helpers, sexual coercion, sexual assault, and rapacious behavior may be the first forms of physical violence and graphic threat that we encounter in our discussions. And sometimes I I will have pastors or people helpers say to me, well, it only seems like emotional abuse, and we don't know what to do with that. There's no physical abuse. And one of the things I'll ask is, have you talked about or asked questions about their sexual relationship? Because oftentimes... Far too many times, once you start digging into aspects of their sexual relationship, you begin to uncover acts of violence. Some very graphic and disturbing, but nonetheless supportive of what we're hearing and allowing you kind of to see far more graphically, more robustly, what's actually occurring. And we often say that physical and sexual violence is what holds all the other pieces together. That emotional abuse and financial abuse and using the children and isolation and intimidation all have far more weight and significance in the lives of, of a sufferer because of the threat or presence of physical or sexual violence. So it's not uncommon uncom- to uncover uh, sexual violence, sexual coercion, sexual threat. Uh, The last bullet point, the questioner, so what is sexual coercion? How can sexual coercion occur covertly, overtly? And then, how can women know if this is what they're experiencing? And so I I think it does boil down to the contrast between coercion and consent. Um, If you have no freedom in your sexual relationship, if you are simply... A um, a means to your partner's sexual gratification, and you you have no voice as to say whether you know yes, no, not tonight. Um, there's no room for communication, agency, or autonomy. Then, certainly, I think those are all indicators of sexual coercion. If um, if you find yourself in a situation where you you can't have say over your own body you you're not being forced um, into sexual activity um, then you know that would go in the consent category that you're able to uh, give consent and maintain consent versus being forced and and I hate to be so black and white but and sometimes those lines can be tricky they certainly can Um, but to me those are kind of the the big rocks here is Do you have agency? Do you have freedom? Can you say no without there being significant consequences, threat, or fear? Can you say not tonight and it be accepted? Can you negotiate and compromise? Can you discuss openly your sexual relationship without um, receiving intimidation, threats, manipulation, uh, or coercion? To me, that is one of the biggest tells as to whether or not you're experiencing um, experiencing this behavior. And certainly, if you're being forced, physically forced, into sexual activity against your consent, if you're um, being forced to commit or participate in sexual acts that you have clearly stated that you're uncomfortable with, that you don't wish to be a part of, if you're being forced to participate in filming or Watching pornography um, against your will and without your consent, then those are certainly um, concerns uh, that should be brought um, brought up as you're cared for. Conversations that should happen because partners should not be forcing other partners. They should not be forcing their partners into acts or behaviors that they are uncomfortable with, and certainly not those which they have refused to participate in. And to me, that's the the big indicator. How do I know? Well, do I have freedom? What is sexual coercion? Well, it's really about threat and fear, uh, power and persistence. It's about, uh, using force to, um, achieve sexual desire, certain sexual outcomes, or maintain certain sexual, um, behaviors. Um, it goes in stark contrast with consent, which is about freedom and agency and, it occurs primarily uh, overtly through threats and fear on a variety on a spectrum, manipulation, intimidation, etc. Very similar to other aspects of abuse, and um, and really the largest indicator is your own agency and freedom. I hope the church can do a better job of having these discussions. I would hate for us to shy away from that or to be so afraid of not holding some kind of standard that we force individuals to engage in sexual activity and reinforce, I guess I should say not force, but reinforce some really bad actors in their um, pursuit of sexual coercion. Uh, instead, teaching you know biblical, a biblical understanding of sex, helping people understand uh, what sex in marriage really looks like and um, what it doesn't. So I hope that was a helpful conversation. I appreciate the question and the, the bullet points. That helps me think through things as well. And I appreciate you for being part of the podcast, for listening week after week. Uh, I appreciate everybody who um, is part of the PeaceWorks podcast. So thank you again for listening. Thank you for being part of our community. Until next time, God bless.